Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture show broadcast in Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney, and we're back with a brand new episode. And this week, we're talking about Halloween again. I know, this show just can't get enough of Halloween, but the listener feedback I've gotten, a lot of people like hearing uh, me talk about Halloween, so that's why we're going to continue it here this week. Because this week, we're going to talk about Halloween kills a little bit more, as well as our speculation on Halloween ends. And when I say we, that means I have guests with me. I have two wonderful podcasters who are my guests with me today. And the first one uh, is the first time we actually be chatting with him uh, from Bowling Green, Kentucky, Mr. Preston Willis. How are you doing, Preston? Buddy, thank you so much, man. This uh, this conversation is a long time coming, Tim. I've so enjoyed uh, you know your coverage of the Halloween franchise for seemingly years now which is kind of insane but uh so excited to be talking to you and and our other guest obviously today so thank you for having me man uh, of course and i like again thank you for making time out of your day to do this and you're right our other guest another halloween aficionado and podcaster extraordinaire in his own right i mean to the point where he dropped his holiday episode a little while ago about the the Batman holiday, the Batman Adventures holiday special, and I knew I was going to listen to it that day, so I wore the Batman Book Club T-shirt <laughs> on that day. I, I try to wear the shirt when I'm listening to the show; it makes me feel extra special. And the host of that show, <laughs> Mr. Ryan Lau, how are you doing, Ryan? Uh, doing great, Tim. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Anything goes. Uh, very excited to talk Halloween. You and I have texted and talked back and forth a little bit of Halloween, and yeah, I like Preston. I really like what you've done. On anything goes, covering everything Halloween over the years it gets me gets me a little giddy and exciting because we can talk <laughs> Halloween every day of the year. It's not just for October, uh, and I I know it's not coincidental. You have somebody from Bowling Green, Kentucky, on this <laughs> on this episode. I didn't even think of it right there. Wow, you were seeing connections right, that was not even expected. Uh, like, is there like a like a plaque of him at the high school for John Carpenter or anything? Dude, they, they, certainly if there's not, uh, I'll take it upon myself to make sure that happens. <laughs> no, um, I tell you, we, we this is Carpenter Country, man. It's certainly known as that. Um, it is funny, like if you visit like the tourism, you know, department of Bowling Green, which, mind you, isn't that big. Um, a uh, basically a map where it's like a John Carpenter map. You can go to his childhood home. You can go to where he went to school. You can go to all these places. So that's it's really cool, man. We definitely embrace as we should, uh, Mr. Carpenter, uh, in our part. That's for sure. Being his hometown and all. Nice, but like how you, what you just said, like the, the tourism of Bowling Green not being that big. I, what ran to my mind when you said that was in Hot Fuzz when they're showing. Uh, Simon Pegg, the, uh, all the places in the police station did not use that often. Like, here is the evidence room. Here's the SWAT room. <laughs> and just like cobwebs and everything. And I'm like, oh, I hope it's better than that. <laughs> I don't know why my mind jumped to that specifically. That's hilarious, man. I will say also to throw in a fun fact, I literally went to elementary school and lived just a few miles from the Smith's Grove. So just throwing that out there too. Oh, geez. Nice. Yeah. Oh man. And <laughs> start a start a campaign where everything's just named John Carpenter Avenue, John Carpenter McDonald's, John Carpenter uh high school, John Carpenter Shack. I don't know. <laughs> uh, five years now. I'm at the corner hey, of Carpenter and the Carpenter. Charge with that, man. <laughs> but like I said, we're talking about Halloween and speculation. So let's jump into our conversation about it right now. <laughs>
<laughs> yes, theme song. Oh, jeez. Now, okay, Preston, I'll go to you first. What is your history with the Halloween franchise and your opinions on the two most recent films? Oh, my goodness. Well, we have the next three hours carved out, right, guys? It's going to be a minute. Uh, no, I kid, I kid. Um, so, okay, you know, in short, my history with the franchise started at way too um, young of an age, I guess I should say. Uh, my dad is a, is a huge fan of film, but horror in particular and Halloween being his kind of go-to franchise. So naturally, I just kind of picked right up with that and uh, seriously have, have just adored the franchise ever since I was a child. I will say, unfortunately, my first theatrical Halloween experience, Resurrection resurrection bad bad stuff going on there so that's that's no good um but no man so i uh you know huge huge fan of the franchise um gosh so you asked what were kind of my initial thoughts with the first you know 18 and kills is that right yes i love them i love them uh, i can't can't uh hide that whatsoever so halloween it wasn't wasn't may have been it definitely was one of my most anticipated films of all time i still remember the day so vividly that the announcement came out that not only were we getting a new halloween film but that jamie lee curtis you know etc etc was coming back for it i was i mean my mind was blown never thought we would see the day where that would happen again after after h2o right so um went in with unbelievably high expectations for 18 they were absolutely met i really love what david gordon green and company did you know with producers like ryan turek on board this this series this franchise is in the hands of people that really care for it love it are passionate about it and they're fans themselves let's face it so um yeah, it absolutely, absolutely blew me out of the water uh, with 18. And then with Kills, again, just so, so anticipated that film. And I was devastated, even though I completely understood when it was delayed, right? And that, as I've said before, led me to completely spoiling myself in advance because I simply could not wait. I read a couple scripts in advance. And, you know, I, I even said, I'm not proud of that, but I just, I could not. Uh, contain myself and the excitement I had for it. So, you know, uh, again, in short, loved kills. Can't wait to talk about it today. And nice. Um, what about you, Ryan? What is your history with the Halloween franchise and your feelings in the most two recent entries? Oh, let's see. How old was I? I was either I may have been like nine. Nine really wants to stick out when I watched the first one, and it like scared the hell out of me in all the right ways. For sure. And then to realize that there are so many more that I could watch now at my disposal and which quickly went to the, uh, you know, the video store, in the horror <laughs> aisle and started renting those and watching them over and over. Uh, yeah, just basically ever since then, I've, I've been a big fan, like some like both of you, like so many other people, just something about the Halloween franchise has just been fun horror for me. Uh, of, yeah, I was excited to see what I mean, what odd picks for the 2018 version. As far as David Gordon Green and uh, oh, my, uh, oh my gosh, why can't I not Danny McBride? Think of his name. Thank you, I, Danny, McBride. Danny McBride. Holy crap! I was about to say he's bound down. He's like, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> yes, the production he's oh. bound down was there. Yes. It was it was rather strange. It, it materialized like that. Very strange. I mean, it was, it was an odd pick, but I was also kind of I don't know. I was down for it too. 
um, things, the right things were being said. The first trailer uh, for it was very promising. And then, yeah, I ended up really enjoying that movie and was excited to see what they were going to do with it. And um, yeah, Halloween Kills came and uh, I liked it. I mean, how much do I liked it? quite a bit i think that like a second viewing i liked it more than the first viewing mm-hmm. um so i'm however many details we get into i just i'm really curious what the direction the way that halloween kills ended was pretty surprising and very hmm what are they gonna do and in the very small amounts of info we know about halloween ends uh yeah it's just very intriguing what are, how are they going to wrap this up for this trilogy? Yeah, I, I totally understand. And to go back to what Preston's story, the first Halloween that he saw in theaters was Resurrections. Um, <laughs> Oof. I don't feel bad because my first James Bond was Die Another Day. <laughs> so, I got you. Yeah, so like I don't feel bad. You're not alone in that regard. And... And it was bad because when I saw the movie, I was like, oh, I bet you they're going to say this next. And I was right. Like, like I can read you every move. And I'm like, and to myself, I'm like, I bet you Halle Berry says, read this, bitch. And lo and behold, that was the next line. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like 10. And I came up with that. And I'm like, <laughs> I was about to say, you're like 10 at the time. And I'm like, and it was a sinking feeling. Like, huh, I probably shouldn't be able to do that. Uh, but, um, uh, <laughs> So yeah, you don't feel bad about that, and yeah, like my like this show of anybody like dedicated listener knows my history with the movies, and to the point that I still have nightmares about Michael Myers. All right, this fr- this past Friday, no bullshit. I woken up <laughs> at four in the morning because the sheep was after me, and it wasn't even like he was Amazing. after me. Like it was like. <clears throat> Like the one image I have in my mind is that like I'm in, like as if like I was a camera. It was like, it was like a first point of view. I'm looking back in a van, and like these two victims are like survived. They're sitting in the front like uh, uh, bench seat, and the automatic doors are closing on the side and on the back at the same time. And Michael just kind of like the oh the the side door closes. You're like oh thank God because I, I was waiting for him to pop up, but in the back he just kind of pops up. He puts the weapon he'd been using the most in the back and just lets the door close and walks away. It's like, oh yeah, like, no, I could have gotten you, but I'm just going to leave this there with you. And I'm like, it's gotten to the point that like, I, like the times I've stayed over at my girlfriend's house, like I'll wake up in the middle of the night, which I feel bad for because I could fall asleep like that. Her, it takes her a long time to go back to sleep. So I feel really guilty about this, but she's like, I, I woke it up like, oh Jesus. And she'll look over. She's like Halloween again. And I'm like, no, uh, and and try to go back to sleep. But the only weird thing about this is that Michael was also wearing Dr. Loomis's jacket, and I'm like, that's it was oh really my strange. God. I'm like, Twist. I'm like, it's kind of like the weird thing that like you play like an RPG, you just put a bunch of random shit on your character, and they pop up in the cutscenes looking like that. You're like, well, that doesn't look right, and that's what it looked like. But it was it was burnt Michael, it was the Michael we saw at the end of Halloween Kills, and. My first question I think I have about Halloween Kills, because obviously this was delayed a year due to the pandemic, and the whole movie's about mob mentality, the mob catches up with Michael at one point, forgets they have ranged weapons with guns, and decides to go all last <laughs> Jedi, attack him one by one, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> um, 
when Michael does turn the tables on the townspeople, do you think those were reshoots during the pandemic because they were all done like in singles and we've seen behind the scenes footage of like them on a stage doing this? Do you think that was done during the pandemic and those were reshoots? You go ahead, Ryan. I mean, that's definitely an interesting perspective. Uh, Sure. Uh, I mean, we always know that there are, because this was, this was a movie that I thought the test screenings were really, really positive. I thought their, their vibes of the test screenings were very good to where, okay, what do we need to really work on um, or change or anything? Cause we know most movies always have some kind of extra pickups or some minor changes at least. Uh, but I mean, that, that does make a lot of sense that the, to really draw it out and make, you know, add that drama um, there at the end to have all those close cutaways and such to really ramp it up for that turn of where it, it goes, you know, toward the end of it. So um, I'm going to lean toward yes, Tim. Hey, uh, I love that you brought up the test screenings because it was a total differentiation from Halloween 18. Because if you remember when those test screenings occurred, my God, there was. There was all kinds of of negative press coming out about those screenings, but Halloween Kills, like you said, was the exact opposite. Everyone seemed so happy with what they saw, and God, it's so funny. That feels like five years ago at this point (laughs) when when those screenings were held because it was obviously pre-pandemic. Okay, so with that moment in particular, when the tables are turned, he destroyed everybody, basically. Spoiler alert. Um, (laughs) If I have understood correctly... And Tim, you being a filmmaker, you'll find this interesting, I feel like. If I'm not mistaken, I believe they literally ran out of time. They were completely out of time. And so they actually filmed that on a soundstage, um, that that last kind of sequence, all those close-ups we're talking about, right? Um, and I, I like it. I like the way it, it kind of comes out on film. I will say, having read the scripts, it's it's not necessarily what I was expecting. Uh, Ryan, you mentioned, you know, that second watch went a little better for you than the first watch. Kind of the same for me, you know, between having such high expectations, between having the knowledge of the script, again, um, you know, those little differences and stuff kind of kind of shook me a little bit initially. But uh, but yeah, I believe that they literally ran out of time filming that sequence and had to do it on a soundstage, which uh, is kind of interesting. I'm like, come on, this is like this isn't a small movie. Surely to God, you guys could have got the street for another night. But I don't know. I mean, like, hell, they built the Myers house on stage yeah and so i like i imagine like i i I would not be surprised like all right we're gonna turn the camera around away from the house we're gonna redress the background and we're gonna shoot in tight close-up and like that's how they'll save money exactly um but yeah okay that makes sense because it just like i understand because it becomes incredibly stylistic at that point where like it's in slow motion and we're just seeing the impact and like when when Tommy Doyle dies and it's like the, like the weird kind of like in slow motion. And then as mm-hmm. we kind of seen since the extended cut comes out, like his death is prolonged. Like the baseball bat mm-hmm. is broken on him. And then he's impaled by the, the shards of it, <laughs> which I'm just like, geez, like, I wonder if that's a note that was during the test screen. It's like, yeah, we want Tommy to die even worse than we extended. Like, okay, so we'll, we, we'll just shoot this. Cl- we'll shoot this insert and bam, we'll, we can insinuate that he was impaled as well. 
But, yeah, that that actually struck me. I I just watched that extended edition, and yeah, Tommy's death is prolonged, like you said. I was like, oh man, he got it good. <laughs> uh, but like now that we've had different, like speaking of Tommy, we've had different versions of Tommy Doyle throughout the years. So we've obviously had him as a little kid. We've had him as uh, Paul Rudd, um, a very uh, Paul like W Rudd or S Rudd or Paul Stevens Rudd. I think that's what it was. That's how he was billed as. And then we obviously have Anthony Michael Hall. Um, how do you think uh, Anthony Michael Hall did in Halloween Kills and how does he stack up against the other Tommy Doyles, in your opinion? Oh, I mean, and this isn't necessarily him. I'm sure it was the direction, but I did laugh a little bit at how much he said evil dies tonight. And... <laughs> kind of seemed like a, a one-man band running from the mob with his arm up. He's like, evil dies tonight. And then, you know, like a little, woohoo, let's go. So, I mean, that a little guy, yeah, okay. But, I mean, that's what <laughs> David Gordon Green wanted, then okay. Um, otherwise, he was, like, he was fine. I think, oh, what do I want to say? Paul Rudd, <laughs> give me a doctor now. Um, <laughs> My baby. I don't know. He seems to be a doctor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now he 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 was Paul Rudd in that movie, so I mean I don't <laughs> I don't know. I none of them necessarily. I, I almost will say maybe the kid is was the most affected to me. Um, in all reality, because I mean I guess I was roughly his age when I first saw that that first movie. Maybe you know he was a year or two younger or something, but um, I could identify the most with him when I first saw that first Halloween and being scared of the boogeyman and that whole fear of looking out the window in the dark and you see something like as a kid, that's like, that's, that's your fear. You're constantly thinking you're going to see that and everything. So maybe I thought that that, the kid was the best, but I, I didn't mind Anthony Michael Hall. He's a cool dude as it is. So whatever he's, whatever he's in and doing, I'm game. I'm thinking, like, of course we can relate to the kid, Tommy. He, you know, hid scary comics underneath his couch, right? Exactly. We've all been there. <laughs> Rantula man. Neutron <laughs> man. Uh, yeah. That's it. All the classics. <laughs> no, man, it's all the classics, all the classics. It's, uh, it's really interesting because I feel like every incarnation of Tommy Doyle that we've gotten are very different from each other, yeah. right? Um, so... Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't really have much to add to the Paul Rudd, even though I will say I am a huge um, curse of Michael Myers apologist. So I will go ahead and throw that out there right now. Uh, But no, I really like what Anthony Michael Hall brought to the table. Really interesting casting choice. Anthony Michael Hall. I mean, who could have seen that coming? Um, It would have been really interesting if they could have brought Paul Rudd back, by the way. Although, you know, on paper, I think that sounds amazing. But Watching Paul Rudd, you know, walk around with a baseball bat trying to recruit people, you know, to go on this, you know, path of vengeance. I don't know. I don't know how well that would have turned out. Anyway, liked liked his portrayal. I don't know how much I would like him as a person in real life. I, and, I, and I mean that respectfully. Uh, but I think he did. I think he did a really good job. And you can just tell that, like, you know ending this thing for this character right he and this town have dealt with this for for his essentially entire life and um it's all about this moment for him right i mean this is kind of his legacy at this point you know 
evil dies tonight. So, <laughs> uh, it was, it was interesting, but I did like, I did like, um, yeah, I liked his performance in it. Yeah. I feel like, um, I think Anthony Michael Hall did well with what he was given. Yeah. Uh, sure. And, and it's not like meant to be like a backhanded compliment. No, I just feel like he wasn't given much because he was given like a relatively one note to play, which like, which was evil dies tonight. Um, <laughs> And, and somebody brought this up, like, like how Tommy goes out here. It's like, was this like a subtle reference to Curse of Michael Myers? Because that's how M- Tommy defeats Michael, and that with the beaten down with the steel pipe, and so oh, that True. Tommy's beaten down with the baseball bat here. Uh, so we, we, you can speculate until the cows come home. Um, but uh, even when like when he gets up in the open mic night and tells the story of the boogeyman. I'm like, imagine you're kind of like, you got like, you're in your happy place. You got a little bit of a good buzz going on. And this guy a ghost story. <laughs> you would turn to your date and be like, what the hell's going on here? Why'd you bring me here? I was after to have a good time. Not thinking about dead people. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, Tim, but I, with that scene in particular, I am so that couple, for better or for worse, that is, like, turning around, being like, hey, can you guys, like, knock it off? I'm trying to enjoy my evening. Like, please stop being so loud. <laughs> oh, jeez, Louise. Like, I can I, I understand that, but I was also, like, half expecting a giant hook just to come out from behind the curtain and just, like, grab him and just, like, <laughs> and just drag him off yeah. stage like a Looney and- Tunes character. <laughs> It was a talent show, and Tommy's talent is to bring down the mood, you know? <laughs> Gosh, when I was six years old, this boogeyman came. <laughs> Murdered everybody. Happy Halloween. It was like, everybody just like looks down there, like, oh, no, not again. So intense on that scene. Uh, Jeremy's coming up to, to juggle six parrots, you know? <laughs> Thanks, Tommy. Exactly. Oh, man, like... It's, like, it's like always you hear, like, you wait for a record scratch to happen during that. Um... <laughs> Uh, but it, it's it's funny that like with this and how the movie ends, where uh, Karen uh, dies um, uh, and dies very much like I, somebody said, like it's kind of like a reference to Psycho, where she stabbed multiple times with her hands up, and how it's cut together and everything. Uh, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> but um and then he just like steps up he kind of like pushes her body over like let me just resume the position of staring out the window um i i, I ask you like just to start off then then uh preston i'll go to you first what is your expectations of halloween ends and like what are your expectations and what do you want to happen because those could be two different things Oh my gosh, man. No, you're you're exactly right. Two very different things. Wow. So my expectations, as have been the case with, you know, both of these previous two entries we've gotten here with this recent timeline, my expectations are very high. Um I I don't know what to expect. I really don't. Um I believe, by the way, I believe these comments may have been a little misinterpreted. I think people took this on the nose a little bit too much, but we are going to see maybe some references to maybe some modern things that we're facing. A lot of people have brought up the pandemic with that. You know, I, I don't know how much they're going to get into that kind of stuff, if if at all. Um, I just, after after knowing everything to expect with Halloween Kills, it's so interesting to me to really have no knowledge. We know a little bit about 
this radio tower situation, which we can talk about as we go. Um, he is Cave Dweller. That's very interesting to me, and I'm sorry, but hello, Halloween 5. Um, <laughs> you talk about qua- uh, Cave Dwelling. Um, man, it's going to be very interesting. I... I have a lot of faith in the people that run this franchise, as I've said before, so I think that we're going to get – I think what we're going to get is going to be good. I think we're going to get a really fine kind of balance line between the whole supernatural versus real human person kind of thing. I'm really interested to see kind of what direction they go there. Man, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I hope that they're still on schedule, obviously, to begin shooting this month. I don't know of an exact day. I just always heard January, so – Man, bring it on, because I'm already ready for October. <laughs> what about you, Ryan? I have no freaking clue. <laughs> <laughs> so, like he, yep, Preston yeah. just said, the four-year time jump is really almost like a wipe-the-slate clean uh, of they can do anything at that point. I'm, I'm glad that there isn't – it would have been interesting – to do a third movie that is that picks up directly where it leaves off to where in reality of like a whole trilogy takes place in 48 or 72 hours that would be unique and different but also there's only so much that you can really believe happens and and i mean lori was not she wasn't really involved in the second one because in reality like she just had freaking surgery she can't do anything you want her more involved so we need to have time pass where she's healed and she Mm -hmm. can be uh, involved but i i don't know because they hung at the end of 2018 they hung on allison and the knife at the end uh tim would be able to preach this too of you know in a good movie everything should happen for a reason um the director knowingly put that camera on that knife that she'd been holding and stayed there. You know, I mean, I mean, to most people, they're like, what does that matter? But for us (laughs) nerds who look at everything, it's like, yeah, but he stayed on it just a little bit longer. I thought that they were going to follow up something with Allison, the knife in the second one. So they didn't. And that's cool because we've already seen that with Jamie Lloyd at the end of four. Uh, I don't know if that's going to have some kind of effect, especially with Michael going and killing her mom now. Uh, I I hope that we see some kind of even if it is just a couple of minutes some sort of aftermath of Karen's death uh, because otherwise I think that's an emotional beat that we'll be missing is to see the shock and re- of the revelation that guys you had this whole area secured and Michael still got in and got one last kill in and then yeah to see what. Lori and Alice and their reactions to receiving that news and stuff. I think that's an emotional that can really pump up the no, no, no evil dies tonight. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) For real this time. Yeah. For realsies. Okay. We got this. (laughs) Like part of me wants to see like, uh, like we pick up moments after Karen's death and the cops are going back in the house and Michael just kind of like, just like rolls out of a window of the second story, just like, and just like lands into the bushes, like lands on his hip and just crawls away just for, for comedy's sake. Um, but like, yeah, like I, I understand like people kind of bristle the idea, like it's going to be set in modern day. It might be set post pandemic and modern, uh, culture being 
examine but like i don't know what people are freaking out like a karen was killed by somebody wearing a mask like we're already obviously dealing with modern uh pop <laughs> modern culture anyway uh and so i'm like okay like but like i understand like jamie lee curse was like on the press tour for this was like was bringing up black lives matter and scenarios that we're dealing with today um which is which i do think is a good thing but like part of me thought it was just a little tone deaf i'm just like i don't know how you make that one-to-one connection other than maybe it's like it's gonna get clicks and if that's the case then good on you because it obviously works because people showed up for the movie um but yeah like like i'm i'm like i'm worried like setting it during the pandemic was immediately date the film like i said in the last episode like i feel like oh that's the one set during the pandemic. Kind of like how Halloween Resurrections is the post Blair Witch Project one. Like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna, yeah. it's gonna be like found footage and the internet and what have you, and it becomes locked into that time. And there's nothing wrong with being contemporary, but you do run the risk of dating the film. And but I also think another reason why they're not doing a third movie all the same the same night, which even though I'd want that because that'd just be a really unique thing. Like it just literally is one long night. This terror reigned. I don't think they want to spend another month of night shooting. Yeah, (laughs) true. (laughs) Man, that's, that's a great point. Ryan, I wanted to mention this man, because you, you had a really great point and Tim, you're, you might be aware of this if you've seen the scene as well. Um, Really great point about that ending of Halloween 18 with the knife, right? You mentioned, Mm -hmm. you mentioned that important, shot we saw so obviously in kills we saw um we saw uh oh my gosh i'm going so blank on andy uh, matichek's character's name um allison Allison. there we go um yes there we go uh we saw allison like you know kind of gift her grandmother uh that knife right as she's kind of in that hospital bed and uh you know potential spoiler alert if you want to be saved for the extended cut ending um you know basically it ends just like the theatrical version, except rather than cutting the credits right at Karen's death, we see uh, Jamie Lee Curtis from the hospital attempt to call Karen. And Karen is obviously dead. She cannot answer her phone, but who does? Michael. And he answers, and he's breathing. And she basically, I think, literally says, I'm coming for you, Michael. Hangs up the phone or whatever, turns, walks away, and as she's walking through the hallway... You know, it's this badass shot of Jamie Lee Curtis, and the camera does a zoom in on that knife, and it just – that's when it cuts to credits. So it was very, very similar to that 2018 feel. So it's interesting. I think with that with that four-year time jump, obviously they changed it because they were like, okay, this all isn't happening on the same night now, right? Um, so, yeah, it's, it is going to be interesting to see how that – comes into play with Halloween ends because clearly we're seeing a trend with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I wonder if like it, but like, that's the one thing, like it, that should have been the ending. Like I understand like the shock ending of just cutting to black after Karen's death and Michael mm-hmm. standing in the window. But I feel like it was a missed opportunity not having Lori say, I'm coming for you, Michael and ending on the one you just described. I feel like that would have been the stronger way to go out. I will say, and we hear for worse, that was a studio note that David Gordon Green changed because as they were screening it, apparently some executive, you know, upon Karen's death was like, that's the end. That's where the movie needs to end right there. And so that's, that's what happened. Yeah. 
you figured he would have enough carte blanche to insist, but man, you, know, you would think. Huh. All right. Like, okay. So another thing with Halloween ends that has come out since the release of the Halloween kills extended edition uh, on digital, which the Blu-ray should be coming out soon is that on the commentary track, several YouTube channels have brought up the fact that David Gordon Green has brought up the radio tower that's briefly mentioned during the 78 flashbacks in Halloween Kills, where Officer Hawkins and his partner look out from <clears throat> like the alleyway behind Michael Street, uh, Lampton Lane, and you see the radio tower in the distance, and they comment on it, and it was not there on the day. They digitally inserted that, but... The reason why I bring it up is because David Gordon Green said, like, oh, that's going to play a very important part in Halloween Ends. And people speculate it's going to, like, maybe the climax will happen there. Or maybe the radio tower has something to do with Michael's rampage to begin with, like, an explanation. Now, I know people bristle at the idea of Michael having an explanation for it because, I know, like I said, Preston, you're a Curse of Thorn apologist. A lot of people did not like that. People just like <laughs> or. Or even the Rob Zombie take where it's like, no, like, just, like, trying to bring the family together. Oh, yeah. um, but what are your feelings on that? Like, what do you think the how the radio tower is going to be? How do you think it's going to be play into Halloween Ends? Uh, Ryan, I'll go to you first. Um, I've, I've learned to definitely not judge before experiencing something. Um, unless it's completely not your cup of tea and then you can say that's just not that's not for me Uh, a preference of mine is the no explanation for michael i think that is scarier but also if they come up with something uh if for this iteration if they're used if there comes to light of using the the radio tower and that starts it's like okay well how does it work for it in this story take my personal preference I mean, I talk about Batman all the time. I love Batman. I know my preference of Batman. Okay, when it's not that, do you still enjoy Batman? Hell yeah, I do. So it, it's kind of like if if there becomes an explanation, because I'm not an apologist for the Thorn, but I curse of Michael Myers is a guilty pleasure of mine. I there's I, there's stuff in there that I don't mind, uh, and there's mm. stuff in there that I that's not my thing <laughs> at all. But um, <laughs> it's, it's to go with Halloween ends and the radio talk. We'll see. Uh, that's, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that yet. Uh, again, like, like Tim though, I'm waiting for the physical, physical copy and then I'll do the watching and, and invest in all of that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I don't, and I, that adds another layer. I don't, whew, I don't know, no clue what they're going to do with this last chapter then. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating, man. As soon as I heard that, I feel like that was one little tidbit of info I needed for Halloween ends to really get my brain just like, what is going on here? <laughs> uh, just to add to the intrigue of the movie. Um, and Tim, I'll say, man, you see that tower a lot more than you than you think initially because you start to see it in the background throughout the movie. Again, more often than one would think. Like you literally see it right at the very beginning when Cameron is like pressed up against that fence looking at Hawkins. Like you can see it flashing in the back. Background. You see it in the in the flashback, obviously. So I mean, it's it's around and in many shots throughout. Um, one thing that I kind of I kind of started putting together with this, and and 
this was this was two separate things that David Gordon Green has brought up. Obviously, in the commentary track, he talked about the importance of that radio tower and how they added it digitally and how they're going to have to build it for ends. And he cited, is excited for for what they have to come with it. But then separately, um, this was just in interviews and whatnot. I don't think he mentioned this in the commentary track. He said that when he sent the script uh, to Halloween Ends, shooting script of ends to John Carpenter for notes and, and to get his approval and things of that nature. He basically, he was a little nervous and his question was, is this too Christine? Like, is this too much like Christine? So that to me is like immediately like a Uber supernatural type of film. Right. And um, I don't know if I should be putting the whole radio tower and Christine thing together, but you know, that's what us nerds do. Right. We, we try to come up yeah. with these theories. So, I uh I I don't know what to expect from that at all but uh man I'm excited to see because like you said Tim I mean this could be this could be something it's emitting these waves and you know turning the town evil who knows or it could just be a really killer set piece for the finale of the movie like like who knows Well two things one if and Michael's not crushed by a 58th Plymouth Fury drop from the radio tower like an Acme uh, device. I'm going to be disappointed <laughs> in Halloween ends. Like, if it's not, it doesn't turn into a Roadrunner cartoon at the end, I will be upset. Not um, my as, movie. <laughs> Michael just looks up and just hear the horn blaring as it comes racing towards <laughs> Cameron and, like, literally turns him to powder. Um but that that is curious there. Like it's, it's too much like Christine that where it becomes a like supernatural thing because I know David Gordon Green has gone records like, oh, it's not supernatural, but then you see what Michael has gone through damage wise, and you're like Oh my gosh. He's got he's got like four or five slugs at him all night and no and like and then Karen Curb stops him and gets the <laughs> the, the uh the stairs at one point and he still gets up and and rolling. So Obviously, there's got to be some supernatural stuff there. It's like the whole connection. Yeah, like the whole the whole Myers house and the connection with the window. I mean, that that just screams supernatural. But like you said, it is funny that David Gordon Green seems to seems to not. You know, he seems to say he's a physical being, right? But everything on the movie suggests the opposite, which I find kind of funny. <laughs> I, I mean, like I don't think we should be surprised because, like. Even when we go back to Halloween 2018, when Aaron reveals the mask to Michael, who has no reaction, and yet everybody else in the yard freaks out. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, including uh, the one in made with the uh, umbrella, who is unfortunately... Stravoli! Yeah. Uh, uh, not Oswald Cobblepot, complete with <laughs> umbrella. <laughs> Uh, like, I, I, part of me is thinking, like, why don't you just cast that guy as the Penguin? I love Colin Farrell, but that looks like he's like the spirit right? image of him. Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, like it, it is curious that, but like, and also, I could imagine that David Gordon Green could be taking a book out, like maybe some of the Russo brothers, uh, uh book was saying, like, oh yeah, and like no, he's just lying to the audience because otherwise <laughs> nobody will go see the movie. That needs to be done more. I'm sorry, like that the actors, uh, the the crew, the director, they just need to flat out lie in interviews. Like I, I don't even care. Because yes, that'd be oh, that'd be great. 
That'd just be great. <laughs> I'm not in Spider-Man No Way Home. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny that you guys brought up the Russos and whatnot, because I think one of the one of the problems I had on that whole side of thing with the with the Marvel Universe in particular, not to get on a total side tangent here, is you know I wish, like you said, Ryan, I wish everyone would just lie, and I also wish that people's contracts weren't essentially public records. Like, I don't need to know how many movies you're signed up for, okay? Like, I'm good. We can just take this one at a time. We're good. Anyway. Yep. Like, oh, you have six more movies in your contract. You're totally not dying here. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Oh, man. But, okay, like, with that in mind, like, how would you... Like, how would you want the series to end? Like, would you want it to... Do you want Lori and Michael to go out together? Like, do you do you think Lori uh, should live? Um, what would like your ideal scenario and like how would Allison play into it? Like in the climax to Halloween ends. Man, uh, if you like, I almost want to say right before you said it, it would almost be poetic if you know Lori and Michael went out at the at the same time. Um, the, I feel like the, the audience favorable ending is that Michael dies and then Lori and Allison become roommates and, uh, go to that on that trip to Mexico. Uh, I don't think that's going to (laughs) happen. I have no inside sources that I just feel like that's probably not going to happen. Um, I, I think that because almost as is mandatory, they've got to end it with some kind of, you know, but not like a twist or a cliffhanger, but also it's not ending. But the movie's called Halloween Ends, so I'm I'm not good at this guessing at this guessing game because I would not have expected the second one to end like it did either. The the Man. mob attack on Michael and he he rises that that wouldn't surprise me at all. It was what followed that that really. Um. Yeah, that one got me pretty good. <laughs> so I'm just not, I'm not very good at predicting. <laughs> no, I I love your thoughts, Ryan. Man, I I agree with a lot of that. It's so funny you bring up the uh, the trip to Mexico, and and pardon me, uh, guys, but yeah, like Lori said, fuck college, go to go to Mexico. Let's let's go on vacation. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Who needs that? That's um, right. Man, you know, I think the one thing with me, because, you know, like Ryan said, I'm t- I could never. And the thing is, I don't even know what I know. One thing I want. I don't know what I want with the Lori story. I don't know what I want with with uh, with her granddaughter. I just know that this whole this whole franchise, this whole idea from John Carpenter started Kind of in essence by thinking that evil never dies, right? And I think that is very important. Honestly, yeah. if we had a con- if we had a concrete ending where Michael was gone, it's nothing is there. I, I would genuinely be a little disappointed with that, unless they handled it in a way that surprised me. You know, I, I'm I could be surprised with that. Who knows? But I just think it's very important whether his physical self is gone or not. I just think it's important to carry that on that like evil never dies, no matter, yeah. and that that's pretty important to me. I think that the subject I think it was discussed in one of the 
maybe it was in leading up to the 2018 version of, and this is like this hits, like this hits reality. And I think a lot of people, if they think about it, in okay, Lori, okay, after a, a, a hellish night like she had in the first one, uh, the world moves on. Tough shit, Lori. Like, and I mean that's relatable now to a lot of people. We hear you know, some kind of tragedy and a, and a death or whatever. And it's somebody that we know. And, you know, you can reach out and tell their direct family about, like, oh, I'm so sorry for that. And then I go, you know, then I go on with my day and I can go up here and everything's fine. It's like, no, no, but that person's living with this 24 seven for the foreseeable future. So how do you do that for poor, you know, like Allison in this, her mom, her boyfriend, her boyfriend's dad, other adults she knows in the community. Mm-hmm. Even if Lori takes, it's like, okay, good, we got the bad guy, but she's dead, she's dead, he's dead, he's dead. Like, how do you end that knowing, like, this person is, I, I don't, I could you say damaged? Damaged now, you know, with that. Like, that takes its hold, but it's like, you can't do, all right, let's do a 50-minute epilogue where we see her the next three decades and how, you know, she has a new life and stuff like that. But I think there's almost a, to capitalize on what Preston said of the evil never dies aspect. I think that is something that's lingered in these two movies from David Gordon Green. Yeah. And that's what like, it's one of the things that confused me the most about Halloween kills was Lori ostensibly was the only person still thinking about it other than the podcasters in 2018. <laughs> Everybody else had moved on. Investigative and, journalists. Never yeah. heard investigative <laughs> pronounced like that. And I love it. Investigative. Uh, but also as like, as podcasters, like she's like when they're going to see Michael outdoors and she's having a zoom H4 and which I'm recording to right now, but doesn't have another mic like directional going into it and no windscreen on the onboard <laughs> mic. So like, that was like, that's like, it is super nerdy, but I'm just like, Somebody like on the sound crew should like pull Dave Gordon Green and say like, "Can we just throw this on there? It'll just look better." Anyway, uh, I, I'm not gonna let that go. Tim, somebody Tim, who's dealt with audio. I'm so sorry. not not to interrupt you, brother. But you know, speaking of that scene, Ryan, I hope you're prepared because we're both getting paid four thousand dollars for our appearance today. So there's that. That that's a good thing. Right, Tim? Yes, yes, yes. I should have yes, collected it before is, performing, but okay. it is in the mail. Um, <laughs> Uh, there might be a little bit of conversion rate for okay. uh, what I'm paying you. So you Fair may enough. have to, uh, um, uh, but it's funny, like, like, but then you get to Halloween kills and then there's a whole slew of people who have not moved on from that night. Mm. And so I find that kind of contradictory to Halloween 2018, but what I want for Halloween ends, like if the Myers house is not so utilized so much in Halloween kills, I would have wanted the climax to happen there. In the house destroyed yeah, once right. and for all. Um, hopefully by explosion, make it real dramatic. <laughs> and you can still have evil still dies, but you can have like the wreckage, like everybody's walked away and everything. And like you can push in on a piece of two by four that's half burnt and you can see it move slightly, very much like Christine when it's turned into a cube and somehow still moves <laughs> at the end. Um, which they do destroy the garage, at least in Halloween Resurrections before somebody uh, corrects me there. But I feel like it's weird because I think Lori has to die mm-hmm. stopping Michael. Um, 
but Michael's not completely dead, and so Allison gets the killing blow. Mm. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I could see that. Another, th- I have no idea how much validity is to this at all. So, I mean, take this with a massive grain of salt, a mountain of salt, if you will. But um, one thing I've heard a little bit about um, as we lead up to ends is potentially um, when we get to Halloween ends, you know, four years later, uh, the Myers house potentially could have been bulldozed. Mm. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but that's kind of an interesting, interesting thought for me. But who knows? Who the hell knows? I mean, like, even, like, in the Halloween 2018 novelization, it's, like, it's expounded upon, like, oh, that they was destroyed and turned to community gardens because goths and uh, uh, true crime weirdos kept hanging out there, and they had to keep shooting away with a broom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I just get away from there. I mean, like, Ed Gein's house, burnt down. The apartment complex, different drama, destroyed. Uh, Gacy's house, right. destroyed. Nobody wanted a VW Bug for a while after Ted Bundy. So, <laughs> yeah. Like, I can, I can totally see that happening in Halloween ends so they destroyed the Myers house. Yeah. Man. I think they, they, they capitalize a little bit, too, uh, on the Alice and, and grandmother relationship. Um, because that that was really emphasized in the first one this one could lead or could end where in that whole Allison being just kind of how Lori was at the end of the first one, going through a traumatic yeah. night, you know, roughly the same age. I know the actress herself will be older, but I mean, I don't know. And in, in the end, Lori, almost like a passing on of like, I've been where you are kind of, but I can give you the satisfaction that he's gone. I didn't have that. You know, oh yeah, man, it, yeah, Allison. When we meet back up with her in Halloween ends, that's that's going to be very interesting. Because God, I mean, you talk about you talk about sustaining loss. I mean, she has, you know, physical bruises and scars, and emotional, you know, bruises and scars. It's going to be it's going to be really fascinating to see where she's at, kind of in her life. Because at this point, I mean, she'll, you know, in in the means of the story, I mean, she'll probably be in her mid twenties, roughly, right? So. Um, or close to it. Maybe she reinvents herself to be a goth person working at a record store. Huh? Yeah. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Hey, on a, since we're on a bit of a lighter tone right now, it's funny. Um, when we were talking about the Myers house and what it's going to be like in Halloween ends, the one thing I'm just so upset about that we're not going to get in Halloween ends is my two new favorite characters, Big John and Little John. I'm pouring one out for you right now, fellas. I love them. Big John, Little John, Big John, Little John. Little John. And I heard somebody in my theater as soon as Michael McDonald popped up, and they go, Stuart? I was like, yeah. it, it wasn't. It wasn't just me in that theater. I know that I'm not the only person that thought of Stuart, but to verbally hear somebody in my theater say Stuart, I was like, yes. Oh man, what I can do. I mean, yeah, it, 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 it's funny. It like it is awesome to see how the internet like kind of rallied behind them and they became fan favorites like immediately yeah. after the movie came out. They were awesome. Oh man, if nothing else. Uh, it doesn't matter, Allison. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry that your boyfriend got turned to a Stretch Armstrong in real life. Um, <laughs> but Big John and Little John need to be avenged. 
<laughs> uh, you are exactly right. Spinoff series, let's do it. Yep. Um, <laughs> like, okay, with that in mind, with Cameron's death, I know it's a total tangent here, but it totally feels like they took all the notes they heard about Cameron from the first one. Like, all right, we got to really punish this character. Like, it almost seemed a little mean-spirited killing this dude. After think, allowing him to redeem himself, by the way. Yeah, he kind of redeems yeah. himself, and then he's brutally murdered. Which I thought was kind of funny, because I thought that they, in in reading and stuff and comments, were the suspense level, you know, and, and it wasn't. The the series really got to, you know, gore fest, and we're not about that. It's about the suspense, and then Halloween Kills is, like, they really laid on some of that, that gore and had the camera on the gore and short showing some of that, which I thought, uh, sorry, that's my cat and his little bell. Um, <laughs> but there was, a, I don't know. I thought that they did emphasize a little bit of the gore level in that one, which I think is kind of funny. Except I'm like, oh, that's a little bit of a contradiction, isn't it? I mean, but okay. And then do they escalate that again for this, this third one and go even further, which I don't know how you do, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Man, I will. I'll. I'll go ahead. Go ahead, Tim. Sorry, buddy. Uh, sorry. Like, 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 like. I don't know. Like, oh, we, we don't want the gore and suspense. Like, we're impaling firefighters on their own equipment. Yeah. We turn into a, a hardcore wrestling match by using fluorescent light tubes and what have you. Like, <laughs> if they have to escalate, like Michael's going to like yank the arms out of people's sockets, Wookie style, and then beat them to death with their own hands. Like, that's the only way you can get it uh, more extreme. <laughs> what were we going to say, Preston? Dude, well, a couple things. First of all, like, I can't talk about the, like, special effects and, and all that good stuff without mentioning Christopher Nelson because I love that guy's work. And, I mean, not only did he craft arguably, you know, take the original out of the equation here, Halloween Kills Mask might be my favorite other than the 78. And what he, we haven't talked about the flashback, but what he was able to do with that flashback sequence was freaking amazing between the mask itself, between the work he did on Loomis. I mean, my God, that was an actual prosthetic on a, on a guy's face rather than, you know, going some huge de-aging route that probably wouldn't have worked out for the best. But got to mention him um i do expect ryan just to kind of note on something you brought up of what we can expect for halloween ends i definitely expect a more intimate smaller less flashy movie in that regard and i mean that in a good way obviously um reason it's called halloween kills for a reason i think we're going to see much less of that uh in ends as far as the over the top gore effects go yeah like it's it is curious because, like, what was it like the the, the seventy eight flashback? I kind of wanted to see an alternate version of Halloween two set on uh, and that because it just it looked that good, and I'm like, dude, like, I yeah. wanted more of it. Like, I was just like, I was really spoiled with that, and how well they made Michael look in that flashback, and like the mask, the jumpsuit, and everything. Um, Hawkins still can't hit the broad side of the mountain or the broad side of the barn. Like it is like, he's got stormtrooper aim. Um, it, it, it's fascinating. It, but like, it is curious because I think it like my three favorite looks for Michael so far is 78, the 2018 version. And I do like Wayne Toss look for uh, Tyler Maine's Michael when he first comes back in the. Man. 
Totally underrated. I'm so glad you mentioned that, man, because, you know, say what you will about that film. Michael's look, the mask itself, top, top notch. Absolutely. But also, like, you cast a behemoth like Tyler Maine as Michael. Yeah, it's not hard to be afraid of that dude. Is it unpopular (laughs) to like Maine as Michael Myers? I think it's just by association. Like, people kind of, like, poo-poo him. Be, yeah okay yeah i um tim and yeah, i, I, I about hear a this. lot of people no no no. go ahead I'm sorry buddy no exactly what you're saying i hear a lot of people that like tyler main's performance but just kind of shit on the movie sure. that he's in exactly what tim said because I, I i really did and yes as tim just said of size alone that is a pretty good factor though because you have a guy in a mask showing up and he's my height but maybe skinnier or something like that it's not as mm-hmm. terrifying as a dude that is seven inches taller than me and probably like 30 pounds heavier than me. That's a, <laughs> like that is an instant shit, my pants and just tell the, <laughs> the fiance to run because we're not surviving this. Like you put him up against like Daniel Harris and scout Taylor Conte, like four, five foot four, five foot five tops, the both of them. So yeah, like, yeah, it's, it is a huge uh, size difference. And there is a, music video for the band Slayer um, and it takes place in a prison and both Derek Mears and Tyler Maine are prisoners during a, a prison ride. No they way. come out of their cells and they just start tearing apart all the other people and their cell block and it's just so cool to see both of them uh, in the same frame together. That's amazing. I had no idea of that, man. And you talk about, uh, you know, big Tyler Mayne going up against Daniel Harris, you know, Scott Taylor Compton. Dude, I adore, uh, well, adore might be a little much, but I really enjoy the scene of him going up against big Joe Grizzly. Oh, man, Ken Foy is the man. And seeing those two big dudes just go at it, man, it's awesome. Oh, man. But, like, obviously, we, we can spin this off into more of a love fest here. But, uh, oh, but like, I know. Yeah, absolutely. But I know we're on a schedule, so we'll try and wrap it up a little bit here. But, um, Ryan, I'll go to you and then to Preston. Uh, final thoughts on your kind of speculation oh. of Halloween ends. Oh. And what do you think the future of the Halloween franchise will be after this series of movies concludes? Oh, as much as, much as I oh – I mean, I almost want to say what they – what they do after this final movie. Cause this is the last one with this on this, uh, timeline, this earth, <laughs> this is earth 78. <laughs> exactly. There we go. Um, <laughs> I almost feel like they'll attempt a reboot somehow. Uh, I, I have no clue, but as we know, it's, this is a franchise. This gets attention. This gets money. Business, uh, wants to continue to make money. So I think that they will attempt a new direction, some a new timeline, a brand new story overall after this. Uh, I mean, Halloween ends. They chose that title for a reason. Um, are they signifying? I mean, you can almost say Michael Myers is Halloween. I mean, I think that's that's valid for a point. And so Halloween 2018, this is Michael Myers in 2018. Halloween kills. Michael Myers freaking kills. Halloween ends. Michael Myers ends. That's kind of where my mind goes. So I just feel like Michael Myers bites the dust in this one. 
and I don't know the breadcrumbs they leave after after that, but I don't think it's a continuation. They start a little from scratch for the ne- the next uh, version, which I think they'll have five years minimum before they do. Just a guess. Man, I think I think you're on to something there, Ryan. I think you're exactly right. Like, I mean, just the fact that we know, at least as of now, that this is going to be David Gordon Green and company's, you know, final hoorah with this franchise. We have to have some finality. I mean, mm-hmm. whether that's everyone dying, whether that's Michael riding off into the sunset, you know, still alive. There, there has to be something that is putting a a staple, a a book close. Uh, to to really the Laurie Strode chapter, right? Um, I, Jamie Lee Curtis. I, I I truly truly believe this will be Jamie Lee's uh, last last Halloween film. So I mean, we're gonna have to have some finality with it. Um, man, w- on what to expect moving forward. The Halloween franchise is never going to end. It's just it's just one of those franchises, whether it's five years from now, whether it's a decade, whether it's 15 years, they are always going to want to make Halloween movies because it's always going to make money at the end of the day. Um, not to totally change the subject here, but what I'm going to be really interested in once we get past this Halloween franchise is what other horror franchises come back. Obviously, mm-hmm. and I know the legal troubles, we're way overdue for Friday the 13th. We're way overdue for Nightmare on Elm Street. We're obviously getting Scream this month, which is kind of insane. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see kind of where the horror world goes because, God, it's been so nice these last few years having Halloween right back into the forefront because there was so long um, where it wasn't, right, where it was. We were just you know, stuck with the zombie movies and that kind of lull that, that happened there for a number of years. So this franchise, you know, isn't going, in, you know, nowhere as far as I'm concerned. It's always going to be here. It's just a matter of, like you said, Ryan, is it going to be a reboot? Are they going to be able to pick some crumbs off what's left of this series to kind of spin off into something else? Um, I'm excited for it. I don't know what it is, but I'm excited for it, man. We'll see. Well, <clears throat> before I get to my final thoughts on where Halloween franchises will go. If you're a Friday the 13th fan, check out the Never Hike Alone fan film on YouTube. And there's a sequel to it as well, where they're like almost like an hour, 45 minutes to an hour long of hmm. a continuation of the Friday the 13th franchise. And like, those are like, Hey, we're not getting an official release of these movies. So might as well uh pay attention to a fan film that has great production value but that brings some of the original cast members back for those movies um yeah and so like i agree like on youtube you said tim yes i will send you i will find it i'll send the links in the chat uh okay when we get off and dude they're great they are great i haven't seen those Mm mm-hmm and like i had an idea had to pitch uh oh a a new Nightmare on Elm Street, but it would be done as found footage that we would, like, just see the effects of Freddy Krueger in the real world. We wouldn't really get to see him in, like, the dream world, but I think that's a better idea as a short than uh, as a full-length movie. But my thoughts on with Halloween Ends, like, yeah, I think this should be the last one for a while because, let's be honest, this could be only be the last one for a lot of the original creators. I mean, I, I, yeah. I think it would be... We'd be pushing credibility even more if Jamie Lee Curtis came back for another one a couple years from yeah. now. 
And that's to say if she even wants to do it. I know Carpenter, like he had washed his hands of the franchise for a long time. I mean, obviously due to money issues, but I feel like even though he's enjoying doing music for this, but I feel like he wants to be done with it. Yeah. Um, that's just my speculation. I'm sure he enjoys the checks that still come in for it. <laughs> I think um, he verbally says it all the time. They send me checks. <laughs> that's why he got, we got so many remakes of his movies. Exactly. And like you said, Tim, like even I, I totally agree with you on his on his kind of mindset. But man, it seems like he's having a damn good time doing the soundtracks for these movies, and that's really awesome to see. Like I, I just love that in his older age, he can get with his son, get with his godson, and turn out some just killer music, man. Because these scores are just fantastic. Yeah. And if he ever tours again, I highly recommend it because it's it, it is a really good time to see him live yes. and everything. Um, and like it's the music I write to the most. It's like I'll, I'll usually put on one of his scores and just write to it because it's so much fun. But yeah, so like I hope there is a sense of finality with Halloween ends, and we don't see Michael Myers for a while right now. I think it would be uh best like if we see Michael right off to the sunset. That would be a little weird. Or <laughs> on, we on a, a horse as a yeah, a legit on a horse, John Carpenter with a hat. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, he dresses the man in black inexplicably <laughs> and there it is <laughs> or we pull return living dead we call this number that we see on the side of a tank and we drop a an atom bomb on a midwestern town again <laughs> uh i'm like yeah we, we made sure to er- eradicate everybody in town because we'll get michael uh that way but uh yeah so that is our halloween end speculation i'm sure we probably will be back Hopefully these gentlemen will want to come back if trailers come out in the next couple months and everything. I know you don't want to speak for us, but I think you kind of know. The invite's (laughs) there. We're there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And also talk about just other things that we have a great passion for, like Batman and whatnot, because I I know. Wait, I mean, wait, I guess like Batman too. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm wearing a. I have a Batman beanie in my hand. I'm looking at a hardback, a, a card cover, a trade paperback. Uh, I think it's something <laughs> else. Batman in this room elsewhere. Um, and uh, and obviously, like Preston, you got the Dark Knight poster behind you. Ryan, you got your own Batman show. and it's just we're fans we're fans you got us (laughs) and speaking of that show where can people find you that find that show and your social media oh well um thank you tim i feel like this (laughs) is where i need to tell you i really appreciate you uh sending out the invite to join you and preston um i've only gotten to interact with preston i think minimally on twitter so this is really cool to get to talk to him and face to face and Always good to talk to you, Tim, face to screen, to screen to face, I guess. So there we go. Um, <laughs> two face, two screen, too fast, too <laughs> yeah. furious. I mean, Batman is definitely a passion of mine, but I mean, Halloween has been too. And so it's just, it's cool to get to talk about that with you. And yeah, my show is the Batman book club. It's, uh, you follow on Twitter at the Batman BC, um, just explores the dark Knight library. Um, Tim's been on a few times, Preston, the invites coming and oh, thanks, buddy. Uh, yeah you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts uh, apple spotify google amazon music um there's more that i'm not thinking of but it goes it goes out everywhere so uh the most recent episode was doing the monthly wrap-up of batman comics for december and uh, yeah have some have some cool plans coming up for this year 
So, yeah, there you go. And thank you. Uh, I'd say you can follow my Twitter, too, but it's probably boring. Um, Batman Book Club is all Batman, always. Uh, mine, Lauer underscore Ryan. Lauer, spelled like lower. Uh, kind of goes into like other stuff, so like Halloween stuff and everything, but that's probably not as fun. But just thinking about now that the fact that on Twitter, the Batman Book Club is Batman BC. Like, I think you should have commission Batman at the nativity scene. And that's what you need to have it because it's literally Batman BC. Yeah. Uh, I mean, people put Yoda or Crash of the DeLorean. It's in their own nativity scenes for the holiday season. Uh, so might as well put Batman in there. Well, I think I think history shows in all the in all the Bibles that have ever been produced that the North Star was in the shape of a bat. I'm just yes. I'm just throwing that out. <laughs> Final Crisis, Batman got blasted back through time, and and, and Robin uh, did Grayson took over as Batman for a while, so you know what? Who just, who's to say Bruce Wayne was not at the nativity scene? Yeah. He was on one a, of the three wise men. On Earth, uh, minus 19 BC, uh, this is what <laughs> happened, okay? <laughs> uh, but what about you, Preston? Where can people find you? Oh, man. Well, first of all, before I get to that, I, again, you know, first of all, great things happening over on Ryan's podcast. So definitely check that out, as he said. You know, and as Ryan said, Tim, thank you so much, buddy, for, oh, for having me, for having us on. I, I know I've told you off the air, but I cannot begin to tell you how much enjoyment I have gotten from not only your just general podcasting, but specifically over the Halloween franchise. Me being such a huge fan, I'm one of those guys where I'm like, you know, I'll listen to a Halloween podcast, but I'm like, yeah, these guys probably aren't as passionate as me about it. They, they probably don't know as much. And I'm like, holy shit, no, these guys know what they're talking about. <laughs> they're fun to listen to. So I uh, cannot thank you for the hours of, of enjoyment that you've brought me with that. But anyway, man, this was a pleasure. I really look forward to coming back if you'd be so kind to have me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Preston967. I'm on Letterboxd under the same uh, under the same tag there, just logging my movie picks. We're in a new year, so it's crazy having to restart things. Um, and you can also find me on Facebook in various RF for RM groups, so definitely be on the lookout for me there as well. But Tim, thank you, buddy. And great to meet you, Ryan, as well. Oh. Uh, I was think that's kind of overwhelmed by the kindness right there, so I'm kind of uh, I'm stumbling right now. So, but I'll say thank you for that. That I really appreciate that, dude. Uh, if you want to follow me, you can follow me both on Twitter and Instagram at this is Tim Rooney. Rooney spelled R O O N E Y. My YouTube channel, uh, YouTube.com slash Through the Lens Productions, where all my short films are up. Uh, my latest video being a teaser to Where Smiling Sarah, my next big short film, which is a proof of concept for a feature film of the same name. I uh, hope that you'll be able to finish the filming of that very soon or when it's safe to do so. Uh, Preston, Ryan, thank you for taking time out of your day to talk uh, Halloween with me. Hey, man. Time, man. I'm all, always down for the for the mic talk, that's for sure. It's Christmas, nice. December 25th. It's Halloween every other day of the year. Yes. That's right. Especially in the new year and in the year of our Lord of 2022. So come <laughs> back next time as we continue to talk about geek pop culture and we'll be speaking to you soon. <laughs>